Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Monday the 11th of July. Today I am joined by Duncan Balcon, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hi there, Duncan. How are you today? Hi, Peter. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, very well, thank you. So, um, just to let the uh, you know let li- listeners know that um, you're you're now moved into a new a new palatial uh, yeah, d- <laughs> dwell- dwelling, aren't you? Uh, well, I would I would go as far as palatial. Uh, it just happens to be a, it's a it's an apartment, but it's in a, yeah. a listed building, so it looks a lot grander yeah. from the outside than it than it is. But uh... have you employed the staff yet? Not, not uh, quite, for, no. For, for the West Wing. For the West, <laughs> for wing. The West wing. That's where my <laughs> office is, actually. My, my office is in the West Wing. Nice. nice. It's, it's, not, it's not as big as it looks, but there have been a couple of friends that come by that when we open the front door of the actual apartment building just go, well, that looks ridiculous. Because the building looks much grander than the actual size of each uh, flat. No, no. It's all good. It's all it's, good. It's fun, but we are moved in. It's all good. Good. <laughs> right. So... Um, what um, story did you find most interesting from today's Watson's Daily then? Yeah, so I've, I've picked a story that, I mean, it's interesting for me because I think when the story first started developing way back in April, we actually talked about it on the podcast. So I thought I'd, I'd pick up mm-hmm. on it in terms of coming full circle on it. Um, I would yeah. tell you which paper it's from, but actually you can open any paper, any news site and find this story today. So yeah. <clears throat> um, it's about Twitter and Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. Um, so for for those of you as they don't have the world's best memory uh, it's back in april like i said that um we had the whole fiasco where elon musk kind of took a nine percent stake twitter said great he's gonna be on the board musk went no i'm not uh, and then offered to buy the entire company at something like a 38 40 percent premium something like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of went on like i said in april and people were quite dubious of it at the time um mm-hmm. um and then over the weekend, really, <clears throat> Musk seems to be doing a little bit of a U-turn. Um, yeah. So this has caused a few things. Twitter's shares have kind of, they're about to take a massive plummet. They've started going down, but we, they're probably going to go a bit further. Because um, yeah, the headline everywhere is just that Musk's pulling out of this $44 billion deal, which is obviously yeah. big news, big, big money, big news, big company involved. Um, now, t- Musk's saying that the reason is that Twitter is in a material breach of seven parts of their agreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly related to the proportion of spam accounts it has. And that's yeah. something you brought up, I think it was probably, probably over a month ago now, started making murmurings about, well, actually, there's too yeah. many of these accounts that are run by bots, so you're not actually getting mm-hmm. real users as part of this deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> so that's caused a few things. Twitter are now looking at hiring um, lawyers to sue Elon Musk for ending the mm-hmm. takeover. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's all the other stories going on about what I think is the main aspect of this, which is what Twitter didn't really look to sell, and now mm. Elon Musk doesn't really want to buy, and what on mm. earth is going on? Either way, this is going to end up in court, I think, is the general mm. the general feeling on this. Mm. Um, now, I've seen a bit of commentary over the over the weekend about, um, you know, this has been Musk's intention from the start, he never really wanted to buy it, and all that sort of thing, which I've got to say I instantly think is rubbish. Um, he sold $8 billion worth of Tesla stocks to buy to go through with this deal, which he wouldn't do, I don't think, lightheartedly. <clears throat> but yeah, it just kind of makes the question more well, than why. Obviously, spam accounts is an issue. Is it, yeah. it might be an issue that could be fixed. I don't know. Yeah. So it kind of looks like he's either decided, you know, this is actually a lot worse than I thought it was, and I need to get out, and he might be trying to dodge the slightly small <laughs> billion dollar breakup fee. Um, yeah. Or it might be actually. He still kind of wants to buy the company, but he needs to highlight this pretty big issue because he wants to get the company at a cheaper rate. 
Mm. I think, but I don't, either way, I can't, like I said, I don't think this is something that <clears throat> Elon Musk will be pulling out of lightly. I think he put a lot of personal finance there, sold a lot of his stock in his most well-known company um, mm-hmm. to go through with this. So I, I wouldn't say that he just wants to get out because he never wanted to do it. Mm. But like I said, I think he might be looking for a discount of some description. And either way, I'm fairly sure this is going to end up in court. So I feel like lawyers are going to be quite excited about this. Um, mm. So, yeah, well, what's your take on this story? Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I agree with that. I mean, I think that um, these the agreements that, um, you know, uh, M&A agreements signed after the pandemic in particular, I suspect will be extremely watertight um, because, of course, during the lockdown, we saw um, various um, uh, M&A deals that had been agreed just before um, COVID hit. Um, a lot of the times companies were trying to pull out of the deals, you know, uh, certainly at the at the terms agreed, if not pull out the deals completely. So I think that um, lawyers and companies will have learned very much from that experience. And given how um, recent an experience it is, I would be really amazingly surprised um, if if Elon Musk even standed a chart, any kind of chance um, of of winning here now um as you say i think really the the my my gut feel is that he does want to buy twitter but maybe he felt that he was going to be paying too much for it and that this is a way of him extracting a lower price yeah so um so i don't know whether it, whether this is good because you know, a break fee here is is a billion dollars. I mean, it's not an insignificant amount of money, even for someone like um, like Elon Musk. So I would have thought there is a deal to be had here. Either they do, you know, he asks, he gets a just a lower price anyway. And they all yeah. agree, or um, he says, right, you know, you've got you've got to sort this. You, you've got to sort this out um, right now. I want to see some proper. Um, actions and then then we'll talk again or something like i don't know something like that because i suppose in a way you could you could say that let's say if he had let's say he had a price in mind of i don't know 22 billion then you could say that him putting a billion down you know losing a billion now as as you know as part of breaking you know the break clause you could include that as part of the 22 you know billion that he actually puts in for let's say 3 months from now mm. so if you look at it in that from that perspective maybe it, it's not a down payment per se but it would almost be like could potentially i don't know if i mean i don't know in an account in accounting ways whether it could almost be included as part of the purchase so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I like you say. I I I reckon that um, he's gunning for a lower price. I don't think he really <clears throat> wants to walk away. No, um, I, I'd agree because I I feel like Elon Musk is too bright to throw away a billion dollars. Mm. I, I know he's, he's got a lot of money, but that, say, doesn't, that doesn't that doesn't fit his character at all. He's he's in, got eight, he's got eight kids to support, hasn't he? <laughs> Just the eight. Is twins we found out about last week? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, so it's, I think it's kind of a case of he's saying, going, well, actually, in the current state, it's not worth the 44 billion I thought it was. Mm. So it's either you fix it and it is worth that, or I pay less and we fix it together, I think. Yeah. 
Oh, um, I, I, but I, I think he's too yeah. bright to have sold eight billion of his Tesla stock to, yeah. to finance this, and way too bright to just throw away a billion dollars because yeah. you know, never mind, it didn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whether yeah. it ends up in court and how long that court proceeding is, who knows? I'm, yeah. I'm half hoping they come to agreement before that because I think it could yeah. get messy if it ends up in the court. Yeah. I mean, I was talking about this with with Ralph uh, over the weekend, mm. and I reckon the other thing as well is by dragging this out. <clears throat> he is going to put off other potential bidders maybe mm. because he's he's basically implying that you know look hey look i've i've looked under the hood i don't like what i saw and therefore that's why i'm walking away mm. so everyone else is going to be thinking what does he know that we don't um and if you yeah. have that plus the whole you know MA sort of slowing down generally and tech just falling out of favor you know, maybe it will mean that there won't be any people that will be lining up to um, to try and buy it yeah. um, because they can't be bothered. You know, uh, they'll yeah, work elsewhere. I mean, wants to try to be careful as well, though, if he does want to take over the company. And that is the end goal, because if you convince users there's a lot of spam accounts there, you mm-hmm. could end up with users leaving as well, couldn't you? So it's a, it's a really, yeah. really fine line to tread. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, it would definitely put, this would, this would definitely put off other buyers, wouldn't it? Mm. But then yeah. again, you could also say that he's he say he could argue like taking short term pain for long term gain by saying, look, yeah, we've got bots. There are loads of them. But look, we're getting rid of them now. So this is going to be a clean platform. Um, we're going to do some various bits and pieces and it's going to be awesome. But, you know, I think they could they could take that line uh, ultimately. But uh, but yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So that was my, my favourite story this morning. Uh, what caught your eye this morning, Peter? Well, as you know, I am a fashionista, you know, obviously. It has been said multiple yeah. times. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, so I thought that it would, would only be natural um, to uh, to talk about diesel, right? As in, and by the way, this is diesel. It's not the diesel that we've been know, um, talking about most recently in terms of oil prices. We're talking but they are both about... quite expensive at the moment, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. um, we're talking about Diesel, the fashion brand um, that's, I guess, probably best known for jeans. Um, and it's really interesting. There was a very interesting article in the FT today um, about the founder um, of, um, of, the, uh, of Diesel Jeans. And is the holding, the sort of parent holding company is, is called Only the Brave or OTB. Um, anyway, he founded this guy, um, this guy, Ren, Renz, uh, Renzo Rosso. Um, I, I'm sorry about the pronunciation. Renzo Rosso, maybe something like that. Anyway, uh, he founded, uh, he founded Diesel in 1978, age 23. Pretty impressive stuff. Cause obviously it's a big, it's a bit massive man now. Now um, the um, OTB group comprises of a number of different, um, uh, you know, sort of fashion labels like Diesel, Marnie, Jill Sander. Also, for those who is, is slightly a bit more esoteric, but Victor and Rolf, um, which sounds like a magic act, but it's not. Um, and uh, anyway, basically, the, all of this, you know, all of this, they, what he's trying to do is he is trying to found a an Italian version of the French fashion conglomerates, um, LVMH and Kering. Now, I think I initially I was quite I thought actually yeah it is true there is not an Italian equivalent 
And yet, of course, we see, you know, one of the things that a lot of us will associate with Italy is fashion. Mm. And so I thought it was very interesting that he is now looking to try and do this. And when you consider that, generally speaking, fashion houses tend to, um, you know, be run as a family business. Mm. Um, you know, it's for, I personally, I sort of think it's probably fine as long as they're alive. But then when they, you know, when they die, things just aren't the same again. Yeah. And so um, I actually think that for a lot of these fashion houses to survive for the long term, they it, it is better potentially to be part of a bigger overall group. So, for instance, you could have maybe like Giorgio Armani or something like that, um, potentially, you know, if you could put that, you know, if if this group could buy something like that, I think that would be amazing. But yeah. I think the main the main sort of problem though is going to be these fashion houses is is how snooty they are about who takes them on. Um, and I wonder, my my slight concern is that about the whether this is a goer or not is whether you know, Diesel, does it have enough cachet with more highbrow um, sort of fashion houses to actually bring them together? Um, because it's not, it's not top end. I mean, it's, it's, exp- I mean, it's expensive. I'd say it's more expensive than average, but it's not top end. I mean, we're not talking, long way. yeah, we're, we're not talking like jeans for like 800 quid or something like that. We, I mean, you know, but um, so I think that th- this is a, uh, this is interesting. So, what do, as as a fellow, you know, fashionista, um, what what uh, what what are your thoughts uh, on this, Duncan? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know me, so so into my fashion. And I yeah. think you're right. I think there's there's a couple of interesting aspects. So, firstly, like you said, the, these this doesn't exist in Italy at the moment, which baffled me. And then when I thought about it, it made sense mm. because yeah, you you think of fashion, and for me, the first place that comes to my mind is Milan. Mm. So, yes, Milan and Paris, really. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it makes sense. It's got French ones. Why wouldn't you have Italian ones? Um, yeah. But then, like you said, because all these fashion houses in Italy are historically family-run, mm. like I said most most of them until like so recently when they started passing away have been founder-run mm. as well. Um, I think <clears throat> for me it makes sense they've stayed in the family. Um, yeah. One the one thing I would say though is I think with with every any family business, I think the kind of pressures on the younger generations to take on family businesses are probably reduced now. Mm, I think mm. a lot, a lot fewer um, of, of kind of the younger generations will probably be taking on family businesses. Mm. Uh, and this, I, I'd say, that goes across any industry, not just not just in uh, in fashion. Then mm. maybe previous generations would be. Mm. So actually, I would say that if you're saying they go, well, is are the, are the kids, are the grandkids going to want to take this on? Mm. And you don't know. Actually, I'd say in terms of future-proofing a business, it's probably more sensible to be part of a conglomerate because actually someone's mm. going to run it regardless as, as to yeah. whether you, your offspring want to or not. Yeah. Or, if, or say, if they've got any talent, even. Well, that's the thing, yeah. You, you can't, yeah. yeah. Because obviously I think when some of these fashion houses were founded, um, mm. that was what you did. You you grew up, you kind of maybe went to school, but actually what you did was you learned the family business. Mm. Whereas now everyone goes and gets an education and actually what if you're not that good at you know, clothing design, for example, yeah, you're probably yeah. not going to be that great at running a fashion house. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think in terms of future-proofing business, completely makes sense. I think you're right, though. I think the issue here is going to be, is that the right level of company in terms of will 
you know, your Armani's, Versace's, that sort of thing. Well, they want to be under the umbrella of a brand like Diesel. Mm. Oh, like mm. I say, it would be under the umbrella of only the Brave, wouldn't it? OTB rather than mm. Diesel. Um, yeah. Which not everybody would associate with Diesel. No, instantly. indeed. No, indeed. Um, I, I only would because I know that there's a there's a make of Diesel watch called Only the Brave. That's the only yeah. reason I'd tie the two together. I think I, I think their fra- I think their fragrance is called Only the only Brave, Brave as well. well. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, so God, check us out. We're talking about fashion. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, going back to your point, I think is also interesting is that um, this guy is council member at the National Fashion Chamber. And in there, you've got, you know, basically family members or high ups from Prada, uh, Moncler or Moncler, I don't know how you say it, uh, Xenia and Missoni as well. So, I mean, he's rubbing shoulders with all these people. Um, So you would have thought that, you know, maybe they would be able to get together. But uh, but who knows? Who knows? But I mean, it is very interesting. I think it is amazing um that there isn't anything like this already yeah. um and why not i mean if he wants to do it, it doesn't sound like anyone else is coming out and saying yeah let's do this why not him you know so um yeah they've already they've already acquired a couple of other brands haven't they so it's, yeah. the ball is rolling in that sense yeah like yeah. i said the interesting thing will be whether it then has the power to, to like say acquire some of the more luxury brands the really yeah. well-known expensive brands as well yeah, um, and I think actually, to be fair, picking up a few smaller brands along the way might start giving it the power to do that sort mm. of deal. Yeah, uh, but we'll see. Yes, indeed, indeed. So there we go, there we go. Um, uh, Peter and Duncan talking about uh, high fashion. Thought, yeah, who'd have thought? I know exactly. Well, do you know, what a way to start the week <laughs> for those. For those, I mean, I don't know if uh, this is for probably for some of the older listeners here. My middle name begins with J, so so technically. We could be PJ and Duncan, um, which, but I don't know, not not everyone will get that reference. But yeah, PJ and Duncan on fashion. Um, anyway, uh, on that on that note, uh, I think we'll. Which is we'll terrifying because actually, if you think of PJ and Duncan, fashion is not one thing you'd associate with. No, not really, not really. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, thank you very much. As always, uh, it's always it's always good fun um, with you, and so thank you very much for your insights as well. Oh, <laughs> and um, yeah, just to mention again that um, you know we are looking for ambassadors um, to join Watson's Daily. There are lots of developments coming up i mean that i do it's so funny i'm sure people think oh god he's always saying this but it really is the case that i mean there always are things going on um so if you want to come along and help us on this ride um then um, please please apply um have a look on our socials and the the links in the top of um, watson's daily as well um so yeah we'll be obviously be referring to that uh, uh you know on the odd occasion uh, mm. between now and the deadline anyway i'll leave it there thank you very much indeed for your time um and thank you very much indeed for listeners for listening uh we'll be back again tomorrow thank you very much Thanks bye bye